That was a blessing. What comes to mind is uh, that blessed verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> not sure that is. I was really blessed by that. If you would, please open your Bibles with me this evening to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Now, in this chapter, the Apostle is going and has been going through this uh, subject of instructing us as believers how to live among one another, how to live among those who are the family of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, how to live among believers with love, with respect, to live in peace, always seeking the best for each other and the whole body of Christ, and not needlessly judging one another, rebuking one another, or criticizing one another. If you remember, he, the Apostle says back there in chapter 12, just across the page, he says there in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And so we are not to needlessly offend the believer who is resting in Christ, our brother or sister, over what the old-timers called matters of indifference. You see, the mature believer in Christ, those who are strong in the faith, the mature believer in Christ may have much more liberty about eating and drinking and observance of days than that of a young believer. One who has grown in grace and in the knowledge of Christ, well, he may have more maturity than a younger believer. But the key is to walk in love, esteeming the brother better than ourselves, always being patient in long-suffering with them for everyone who is an elder was first a babe in Christ. Now, in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, the apostle writes, Beloved, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. That is, we are to instruct and to encourage one another. And then back in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he writes, If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, though Paul draws a contrast between the weak believer and the strong, they were not in disagreement. That is, the strong believer and the weak believer, they were not in disagreement with the essentials of the gospel, or, or indeed the gospel itself. They were in agreement on this. In Romans chapter 15, verse 1, the apostle writes there, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We are to bear the infirmities of the weak, not beat up on those who are weak, but rather those who are strong in Christ ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, this is needful counsel and instruction for every believer. Now, now Paul's not telling us to compromise the gospel of Christ in order to please men. 
but rather to be understanding with those who might struggle over meats, drinks, and certain days that's given in the Levitical law. Now, that looks back particularly to those people at that time, but we can also make application in our day. You see, there are some religious people who would not dare do this or dare do that. And I could name different things. Uh, they would not dare go see a movie or dare pick up a cigarette or dare take a drink of alcohol. And yet, there are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to know that their salvation is totally dependent upon Christ, not upon his or her doing or, you know, doing this or not doing that instead of uh, doing these things, we'll do these other things. Um, rather, beloved, we're resting in Christ. And believers who are strong and mature, they have liberty that, that others might not. And so let's not criticize one another. You may have certain liberty to do certain things that I maybe don't. But we're all members one of another. Now, remember, many of these people Paul is writing to lived under the bondage of the law for many years. And those old traditions were hard to break, like old grave clothes that are hard to put off. You remember when our Lord said to uh, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth like that. And the Lord told the people to take the grave clothes off. And we're always carrying grave clothes. There's always something that we... We're thinking that ain't right or something we're doing that we should not be doing. But the, the, the comfort is to know that our salvation is found in Christ. It's in his doing and dying. It's through his precious blood that we're truly and completely forgiven of all our sins. And much more, we're accepted in his perfect righteousness. Uh, a full and complete salvation that lacks nothing. And so the apostle is, is setting this as uh, instruction for believers not to criticize one another over these things uh, that he'll speak on a little bit more. Uh, but he's already mentioned them. And, and indeed, in the book of uh, Galatians, the whole book deals with this issue. But if you would turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And look there with me, beginning... In verse uh, 1, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, the apostle writes there, O foolish Galatians, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Now, how was he set forth? In the preaching of the gospel. And he continues in verse 2, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of the gospel, of, uh, by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And the answer is an emphatic, no, we're not made perfect by the flesh. But there were those who lived under that bondage of the law and the, the, the tradition of that Levitical law, and those who were raised up under that, well, it was very hard to get away from those traditions. Even in the early days, the apostles had a problem with that, did they not? Peter had a problem when the Lord told him, Arise and 
and eat, going down to the house of Cornelius and preaching to the Gentiles. And the Lord gave him that vision about eating unclean meat. And then you read about um, how this was dealt with not only in Galatians, but we also read in Acts chapter 15. We remember in the early church made up of Jews and and the Jews, well, some of those Jews um, wanted to put the Gentiles under the law, uh, the law of circumcision. And these Judaizers, uh, they said, if you really want to be saved, you must be circumcised according to the law of God. And, uh, of course, you remember the outcome of that. In Acts chapter 15, Peter stood up and Paul stood up. And uh, Peter says forth, Rather, we believe to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved just as God saved those Gentiles, not by circumcision, not by law, but justified by the grace of God. Well, as that is a, a brief introduction, uh, let's look at what the Apostle Paul is setting forth here that we may try to make an application to ourselves in our day. Uh, back to Romans chapter 14. And then look there with me at verse 1. The Apostle writes in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Now, he's not speaking here about lost religious people. Rather, he's speaking about those who were young in the faith, those who were babes in the faith. That is, the faith of God's elect. And so the Apostle is not speaking about lost religious people. Him that is weak in the faith, receive him, but not to doubtful disputations. Or that is, don't cast judgment on his doubtful thoughts. You see, by God's grace, you and I believe. And even in mature believers, alike with young believers, there is yet remaining in us much unbelief. And so we are to receive young believers into our fellowship. Paul calls them weak in the faith babes in Christ, and that's where we all start. We don't start out being a mature believer. We don't start out as elders. Rather, we start as babes in the faith. And so we are to receive young believers into our fellowship without questioning them, without judging them or condemning them or rebuking them. Uh, I printed off uh, this story. I won't, I won't read it word for word. It's a story that... Uh, Charles Spurgeon told about a man by the name of Jack the Huckster. Jack the Huckster. And he was a dishonest, roguish man. And he heard a little girl singing this song. I am a poor sinner and nothing at all. But Jesus Christ is my all in all. And he started singing that catchy song. And, and then he sang it albeit at the first, insincerely. And then the Lord made it real to him. And he found out, I am a poor sinner and nothing at all, but Jesus Christ is my all in all. And he wanted to be baptized. And he came to the church, and I guess he had to meet a board of elders. And they were questioning him about his experience and all those types of questions religious people ask. And they said, well, what about your conviction of sin? What kind of conviction have you had? What has the Lord taught you? 
And he said, well, I'm a poor sinner and nothing at all. That seems like that just about covers everything. <laughs> and they said, well, what, have, what kind of experiences have you had by way of joy and rejoicing and walking with Christ? And he replied, well, I said, Christ is my all and in all. What could be better than that? I can't express the joy that I feel from being a poor sinner and nothing at all. But Jesus Christ is my all in all. Beloved, that's our whole hope. Christ is all. Christ is all and in all. We should always be an encouragement to young believers, beloved. Not criticizing them and not always rebuking them. And my friend, we sit under the preaching of the gospel, going through the scriptures, verse by verse, book by book. And as my pastor once told me, and I've since learned, uh, many pastors have told others, just sit still under the sound of the gospel and all your questions will be answered. Not, not according to your calendar. <laughs> not, not according to my cal- calendar either. According to the Lord's calendar. You know, you don't need to uh, rapid fire questions the pastor's way. Like, what about this or what about that? Just be patient. As God's word sets forth, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And beloved, that's how we grow, by the word of God. And so we should always be an encouragement to younger believers, not criticizing them nor rebuking them. We all have need of growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us never come to the point where we say, well, you know, I've arrived. Paul said, I've not yet arrived I have not yet apprehended for that which I have been laid hold of by Christ. You see, we all have as yet not arrived to the point of full growth. None of us have. But we are all growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the way A.W. Pink uh, put it. He said, The more a cow's tail grows, the nearer it comes to the ground. And the more a Christian grows in grace, the more does he take his place in the dust before God. And beloved, that's growing in grace. That's growing in humility before God. You see, we all have need of being taught in the ways of the Lord, from the word of the Lord. And so remember, beloved, don't forget that that exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You see, the Lord is ever teaching us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Beloved, aren't you glad he teaches us in the way of grace, in the way of Christ? Not, 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 be, not because of wrath, <laughs> but because he has everlastingly loved you. So him that is weak in the faith, don't beat up on him. Be long-suffering. The Lord is long-suffering to, to us, and so shouldn't we be long-suffering to others? And so don't judge him. Now look at verse 2. Romans 14, verse 2. 
For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. You know, those old Jews wouldn't touch pork for anything, not even if their life depended upon it. They considered that as meat coming from an unclean animal. And there were many such animals that were considered unclean under the dietary law. For one believeth that he may eat all things. I eat bacon, I eat venison sausage. Those are good things the Lord has made. But someone says, well, you know, I can't eat that stuff. So then do I jump all over him and accuse him of trusting in that to save himself? Do I accuse him of being self-righteous? No. Rather, we're to be patient with him and try to help the brother. Don't beat up on him. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak, you know, he just eats herbs. Maybe he's doing that for health reasons. You know, he's not... It's not a bad thing to be mindful of nutrition. And, you know, not eating something like excess sugar or or whatever they're talking about nowadays, excess carbs or proteins. And so let's not beat up on the person who's eating mostly plants. And let's not beat up on the man who enjoys sausage and bacon. You see, there's no need to do that. You have one believer who is strong in the faith, and he feels he's at liberty to eat and drink all things, knowing that his salvation doesn't rest upon eating and drinking. Beloved, our salvation doesn't rest upon touch not, taste not, or handle not. Rather, salvation is of the Lord. While the weaker brother in the faith will abstain from certain meats and drinks that might offend his conscience. You see, at the first, many of us believed that these issues, things like adult beverages and tobacco and, and the like, have something to do with salvation. But when the Lord teaches us, he makes it so plain. <laughs> Salvation's of the Lord. It's not of these things. So these things of adult beverages and tobacco and all these other issues, these things have nothing to do with salvation. Now, you know better than to think I'm suggesting that believers are in the habit of getting drunk or uh, that that's uh, something that the scriptures are okay with. Absolutely not. You see, the only issue that matters is this. He who has the Son has life, and he who has not the Son of God has not life. I remember uh, speaking with a man who was visiting our home in Mexico. Actually, he was the husband of one of Sandra's acquaintances. And I asked him if he knew what a Christian was. And he said, a Christian is someone who doesn't dance, doesn't drink, uh, and doesn't go to the movies. <laughs> well, that may well describe a Pentecostal Pharisee, uh, but that doesn't describe a Christian. Now, from time to time, I'll enjoy a glass of wine with my meal. Now, though the Lord provided that glass of wine, that glass of wine doesn't commend me to God. And so just because I have that liberty to eat meat or drink, it doesn't make me better. And so as the apostle writes, I take heed, lest by any means this liberty of mine might become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Look there with me in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Beginning there in verse 9. Now this is speaking here about them that are weak in the faith. 
The apostle writes there in in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we are not, if we if we eat not, are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. And so them that are weak have a problem with that. And perhaps some of you may have a problem with my drinking a glass of wine. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I have liberty to do that. And for conscience sake, uh, you may not. But I don't want to beat you up over that. And I, I trust you won't beat me up over that. Again, verse 3. Romans chapter 14. Verse 3. Let him that, dis- e- that eateth despise him. Let not him, again, this is Romans chapter 14, verse 3. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. You see what the apostle is saying? Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Indeed, God receives both he who eats and he who does not eat both he who drinks and he who does not, as sinners are saved by God's undeserved, unmerited grace. And so, beloved, when you hear a brother brag that he would never let alcohol touch his lips, leave it alone. So what? Or if another brother brags that he has a beer now and then, so what? Uh, Beloved, that has nothing to do with salvation, for salvation is in Christ. Just leave it alone. And so whether you have a drink of Texans, um, I I think there's a brand, uh, Texan bourbon, I'm not sure. Whether you have a drink of Texas bourbon or or whether you don't, it has nothing to do with salvation. Now, Paul is not speaking here about drunkenness. I need to emphasize that. Paul is not speaking here about drunkenness. The scriptures are clear about that. We're not to indulge where we become drunk. And so, beloved, here is the way love works. Let us not condemn or judge one another over matters that are not critical to the gospel of Christ. You know, like eating certain meats or using certain drinks or certain days. And so let's not beat up one another over that. God has redeemed and received both sinners by the grace of God, weak or strong. They're both believers in Christ, justified by His grace, not by meat nor by drink. Look there at Romans chapter 14, verse 17, just on the next page. The apostle writes there, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You see, the kingdom of God is not based upon whether you eat this or don't eat that, or drink this or don't drink that. It's so sad when you think about the multitudes of sincere people that think because I don't drink or I don't smoke that they have a righteousness before God. Well, that's nothing but self-righteousness. But, beloved, our righteousness is of the Lord, and that's what he's speaking about here. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Who's our righteousness? The Lord. Who made peace? The Lord. 
Christ Jesus, our Lord, made peace with his own precious blood. Who's our joy? Well, it's joy in the Lord, is it not? Indeed, we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, what do these things of meat and drink matter? What does it matter whether you use tobacco or whether you don't? Because that has nothing to do with your standing before God. Well, does it? Absolutely not. If you think it does, you believe in salvation by works, plain and simple. Remember what our Lord said when those Pharisees were so upset because he didn't wash his hands before he ate. And the disciples came and the Lord said, don't you know, or, and, and rather they told the Lord, don't you know that the Pharisees were offended? He said, just leave them alone. They're the blind leading the blind. They're both going to fall into that ditch. And the Lord said, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles the man. That's in Matthew chapter 15, if you want to look at that later. You see, it's what comes out of the heart. That's the problem. The issue is the wicked heart. It's not what you put in your mouth. Ever hear someone say how drugs ruin people or alcohol ruins people? Well, my friend, they, uh, they got it backwards. Ruined people take drugs. Ruined people get drunk. The, the drugs didn't ruin them. The alcohol didn't ruin them. They were ruined long before that in the fall. You see, it's the wickedness of people's hearts. That's the problem. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and thefts. So you see what he's saying here. Look at verse 4. Romans 14, verse 4. And here the apostle gives us this earthly illustration. Romans 14, verse 4. Who art thou that would judge another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Now, what would happen tomorrow morning if I would go to Gary's workplace and uh, line up all his employees and start giving them a performance review? Uh, Now, that would be foolish, would it not? I mean, they're not accountable to me. Who am I? Rather, they're accountable and responsible to Gary. He's the manager that signs off on the hours that those men work. And so I don't go there to judge his employees. He does that. That's his business, not mine. And so those employees stand or falls, fall before their own boss. Verse 4, again, And so to his own master... He standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And so speaking of believers, in reference to believers, Paul is saying here how that every believer, weak or strong, is still one in Christ. And so the the believer stands before God, who is able to keep him by his power and keep him from falling by his grace, accepted in the Beloved. I love what Jude writes. If you turn there with me, this is Jude chapter 1. There, the second last verse. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, 
our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Now, if you would look there at Romans chapter 14 and, and look at verse verse 10. Apostle writes there. And so why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. My friend, You're not accountable to me. You don't answer to me. You're accountable to God. I'm accountable to God. That's what Paul is speaking about here. And thanks being to God, we read the gospel of our salvation there in verse 4. Yea, the believing sinner shall be holden up, (laughs) kept by the faithfulness of the Son of God. Yea, the believing sinner shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. In Christ, beloved, God is able to make us stand accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.